Welcome to worship from Jessup First United Methodist Church. I'm Rebecca Duke Barton, the pastor here. We've been reading the Sermon on the Mount for the past several weeks. If you use a Bible with red letters for the words of Jesus, you've had three straight chapters of all red letters with Jesus describing for us what it looks like to live in God's kingdom on earth, to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Today, we finish this series with Matthew chapter seven. But honestly, we could sit with it all year. There's so much to learn and absorb from this teaching of Jesus. You know, there was another time Jesus went up on the mountain with his disciples, Peter, James, and John. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 17. Jesus was transfigured into light. He became light. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. And he was speaking with Moses and Elijah people who lived centuries before Jesus. It was amazing. And then a cloud surrounded them and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's almost the same thing we heard at his baptism, but with that last part added, listen to him. Christian author Sky Jatani has written a book on the Sermon on the Mount called, What if Jesus was serious? What if he really meant for us to live out what he taught? What if he really wants us to turn the other cheek, do unto others what, what we would have them do unto us, to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect? So today's portion of the sermon invites us to make a choice, to listen to him, to put the rest of the sermon into action in our daily lives. So I invite you to listen as we hear the words of Jesus, these red letter words read by the Reverend Garth Duke Barton. Matthew seven twelve through 28. In everything do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow, and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns, or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that bear, does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts them on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, 
and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, when Jesus had finished saying all these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. My friend Sarah has a dad who loves a corny joke. He is the original dad joke creator. When we graduated from Emory, he told us, I'm so proud of you. You passed your Emory boards. Another one he liked. Did you hear about the guy who invented lifesavers? They say he made a mint. He was a church music minister, so he loved a good joke about the choir. If one of his three daughters was headed out to choir practice, he'd say, don't forget a bucket. Why, they would ask. And their dad would say, to carry your tune. And here's the last one. What is the golden rule for cows? Wait for it. It's really bad, y'all. Do unto others as you would have others do to you. I know. You got to love a good dad joke, though. We've been hearing from Jesus about how to live as salt and light in this world, letting the kingdom of God shine through us. We see a glimpse of it in the story of the transfiguration where Jesus is shining. He becomes the light of the world. And he wants us to reflect him, to reflect his glory, to go down off the mountain and to live the way that he's taught us to live. So he taught us about what's at the heart of God in giving the laws. In the section on the Sermon on the Mount that we started today, he gives us a helpful summary of the law and the prophets, which he says he came to fulfill. And it's this, we call it the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's golden. It, it's shiny. It helps us see what it looks like to live as Jesus in the world. It's really helpful to have this guide. It's a good way to ask, how can we be salt and light in any situation? Should I forgive this trespass? Yes, because I want to be forgiven of my trespasses. Should I judge others? Hmm. Maybe I should look at my own life and take the log out of my eye before I take the speck out of someone else's. It's everything Jesus has taught so far. Don't lie. Don't seek vengeance. Don't be unfaithful to your mate. Love your enemies. All of these are summarized by the golden rule. We can apply it to things Jesus didn't directly address either. What should I do? Well, Treat others the way I wish to be treated. It's living out the righteousness that Jesus calls us to. But as James Cash Penny wrote, it's a difficult master to serve. J.C. Penny says that his dad taught him from the time he was little that the golden rule was the best way to live. So in 1898, James moved from Missouri out west to Wyoming and he started a dry goods business that he called the Golden Rule. He says there were 19 bars in his new town and one dry goods store, if that helps you imagine the kind of town he lived in. He told his employees, you see that name on the sign? The Golden Rule. That's how we're going to do business. 
And he really tried to do business in a way that lived out the golden rule. He was the first person to call his employees associates and pioneered the idea of profit sharing with employees. He closed his stores on Sundays so that his employees could go to church. He built a whole business model of treating others the way he would want to be treated. And by 1925, he had a thousand stores. J.C. Penney wrote that the golden rule was like a compass that a sailor might use. He said, you've got to keep that compass even when days are sunny and the wind is blowing in the right direction. Even when you didn't feel like you needed it that day, because you know that a day will come when there's a storm. He said, really, it's most tempting to ignore the golden rule when things are going well, when you're successful. That's really interesting to hear from a man who was incredibly successful in business. But he saw how easy it would be to take advantage of other people on his way to the top. But J.C. Penney heard the words of Jesus. He listened to Jesus and he wanted to live by them. He wanted to enter the narrow gate. Jesus described a narrow gate, a way that leads to life. And then he's given us this whole way of living, the golden rule and the extensions on how to understand the teachings of the Old Testament law and how to live our righteousness in prayer and fasting. So we come back to author Sky Jatani's question. What if Jesus was serious? It's a good question as we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We've heard what Jesus is saying. Are we really listening to him? You're hearing the words of the best sermon that has ever been preached. Not me, of course, but the Sermon on the Mount. We're hearing the words of Jesus, words from the very heart of God the way he wants us to live. So why don't Christians always walk around with a handprint on our cheeks where we've been slapped? Why is the idea of praying for our enemies met with a scoff? You know it's true. Listen, I say out of politics. But we tend to treat our political opponents in America as enemies to be destroyed. We don't want to pray for them. We don't want to love them. Do you know why I think it is? I think it's because we don't really think that Jesus was serious. We read the Sermon on the Mount as some sort of ideal that no one really lives. Nobody's perfect. We don't want to let people slap us. We aren't going to teach that to our kids. We don't want to be meek and wait to inherit the earth. We want to be bold and self-serving. And so we can have everything now. We let our politics influence us more than the words of Jesus. Can I be honest with you? We think because we put the name of Jesus on something that of course it belongs in the Christian life. But what if we really look at the golden rule? G.K. Chesterton wrote, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. It isn't that Jesus set out a way of life that we tried and decided it doesn't really work. We don't even try it. We don't listen to the beloved son. Notice the way Matthew ends the story of the Sermon on the Mount. We've had three chapters of Jesus talking and then the narrator comes in. 
Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching. We aren't the first people to be astounded at his teaching. Jesus knows the way of life he laid out isn't what we normally live in this broken world. But these are the instructions directly from the designer. If we lived like this, we would see what it looks like for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if the Sermon on the Mount is truly Jesus laying out what the kingdom of God looks like? But because we don't take him seriously, we miss out on kingdom blessings. Jesus explains that there are so many people who like the blessings that he starts the sermon off with. Being comforted, having our hunger and thirst satisfied, inheriting the earth. But those blessings come with living this new way of life Jesus offers. It's a hard road to walk. We don't really want to give away our cloak if someone asks for our shirt. We don't want to rid our lives of temptation if it means drastic changes. We don't want to be peacemakers. It's so much easier to walk along with the crowd and enter by the wide gate. Except that it turns out the wide gate doesn't lead to life. It doesn't lead to all the blessings that Jesus laid out in the Beatitudes. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. The gate is narrow, he says, and you have to pay attention and be intentional about the road that you're on. You have to really aim for the narrow gate. You know, it's funny, there are some places that you go that you have to pay close attention or you'll miss it. It's gotten so popular to have weddings out in the country, you know, in an old barn or a cotton field or under a live oak tree. Some of these places are hard to find. I, you know, I might put in my GPS, but beloveds, you know that out in the country, there are places that GPS will not take you. Can I get an amen from all of the folks who live in rural areas like ours? It isn't easy to find the wedding site, but the bride and groom really want their guests to be there. They want you to be able to find it. So they make it where you can see where you're going. They put up signs at every turn and balloons, and they help you to make sure that you don't miss the way. Sometimes there's even a guy in a dress shirt with rolled up sleeves, fighting off gnats, waving you in so that you don't miss out on the celebration. The end of the Sermon on the Mount is like that. There are signs to help us find where we're going. We ask, we seek, we knock. The gate is narrow, but God wants us to find it. In the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us that he is the gate and he is open for everyone. He's waving us in. The teachings in the Sermon on the Mount aren't an impossible ideal. They're an invitation from the beloved son to come through him to the father who loves us so. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be open to you. So how do you know if you're headed for the narrow gate, listening to the voice of Jesus, and not a wolf in sheep's clothing? I mean, honestly, sometimes we could all use a voice speaking to us from a cloud, but you'll notice Peter and James and John were astounded with that too. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount gives us some practical ways of looking at how you know that you're following Jesus. Jesus says you'll know people by their fruit. 
you can see the people who are living like Jesus because it shows in their lives. It's like when you come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and your face is just glowing. Right? That's what happened to Moses when he had been with God. His, his face was shining. So that's true for us. When, when we've been with Jesus, our faces are shining. You can see it because we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. We can see it in the way that other people treat other people and whether they're living by the golden rule. We can see it in the priorities we make. When we have been with Jesus, when we're headed for that narrow gate, we don't just hear the words Jesus is saying, but we listen to him. Jesus says that when we listen, we do what he's calling us to do. And so we're like a builder who built his house on the rock. Storms may come, and they often do, but that house can withstand the storms. He built it on a sturdy foundation. He built a house to last. But Jesus compares it to the other builder who built on the sand. You can have a beautiful house, but if it isn't built on a solid foundation, it will be washed away. What Jesus tells us about the wise builder is the same as what he says about growing fruit. Jesus says the wise builder is the one who hears his words and does them. Don't miss that last part, and does them. Jesus has laid out the path. He's given us the golden rule. He's fulfilled the law and the prophets. So it's an invitation. Jesus is trying to wave us in through that narrow gate. You're choosing your path. You're building your house. We're entering the season of Lent beginning on Wednesday. It's a time of reflection, of prayer, of giving, of fasting. And it's a good opportunity to ask yourself, am I listening to the voice of Jesus? Does my life reflect his light? What do I need to do differently? He's offering a way into a narrow gate, opening the door for us to come in. He's the rock on which we build our lives, solid and sturdy and unshakable. All other ground is sinking sand. He's the beloved, the son of God. Listen to him. Y'all, what if Jesus was serious? Will you pray with me? Oh God, our Heavenly Father, you are holy, righteous, and good. We know that you hear the prayers we pray. We ask, we seek, we knock. Open our eyes. We want to see Jesus. Open our ears and help us to listen. Forgive us when we follow the crowd on the wide path. Redirect us, Lord. Wave us in. Open for us the narrow gate and put us on the solid rock. May your kingdom come, Lord, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus, the beloved Son, we pray. Amen.